Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dead America. Carolina Front, Book One. Dead America. The First Week, One. Written by Derek Slayton. Narrated by P.J. Morgan. Chapter One. Day zero plus one, 4 a.m. EST. Yo, Kyle, you gotta get up, man. Sergeant Terrell Graham demanded as he entered Sergeant Frank Kyle's room in the Fort Bragg bunkhouse. His muscular, dark-skinned frame blotting out the hallway light like a solar eclipse. Frank slitted an eye enough to look at his watch and then groaned, flopping back into his bed. Dude, how in the hell are you still functioning? We literally just landed four hours ago. His bald friend shrugged. Better question is how the hell have you still not learned you're allowed to sleep on planes, he teased. The horizontal dark-haired man threw an arm over his eyes. Not everyone can be narcoleptic like you. I swear you could fall asleep during a death march. Come on, Kyle. Terrell smacked his friend's feet hard. Sarge is waiting for us. Frank groaned and dragged himself up, sitting on the edge of the bed and screwing his fists into his eyes. I swear to God, this had better be some end of the world shit. There's that robust optimism we know and love, the taller man declared with a grin and clapped his friend on the back as they left the room. Master Sergeant Charles Long was short and stout, but solid. He was known around the upper circles as fierce, strutting around with his crew cut and square shoulders. As the two sergeants approached him that morning, however, he was not wearing his usual hard gaze. Hey, Sarge, Terrell greeted, brow furrowing at the docile expression on his superior's face. You all right, man? You look like you've seen a ghost. Graham, Kyle, I know it's early as hell, but you got a call, Long replied. The bald man rolled his eyes. The perils of being popular. So who did we impress this time? Frank crossed his arms. General Adams, the master sergeant said. The sergeant's eyes nearly bugged out of their heads. General Adams, Frank gushed. As in head of the Joint Chiefs, General Adams? Long nodded. Yeah, that General Adams. So you may want to tuck your shirt in there, Kyle. The younger man hastily tucked in his shirt and ran his hand through his bedhead to attempt to smooth it down. What's he want with us? Terrell demanded. You're our CO. Long shook his head. Not anymore. I was just relieved of duty. What? The bald man scoffed. Why in the hell would he do that? You're the finest warrior in this entire damn outfit. The sergeant put his hands up. I'll let the general explain. We're gonna fight for you, Sarge, his subordinate promised. Long smiled sadly. Terrell, it's okay. He clapped the stunned man on the back. You guys better get in there. Time is a bit of a factor. I'll be out here when you're done. Terrell nodded. All right, Sarge. The two sergeants entered the comm room and took a seat in front of the monitor where there was a young female soldier on the screen. Sergeant Graham and Sergeant Kyle, she asked. Frank nodded. Yes, ma'am, 
please hold for the general, she replied. And then the screen went blue, proudly displaying the defense logo. What the hell is going on? Terrell threw his hands up. Why would they let Sarge go like that? Frank shook his head. No clue, although I'm starting to think I jinxed us with my end of the world quip. Wouldn't be the first time you've done that, his bald friend replied. The dark-haired man rolled his eyes. Man, how many times are you gonna make me apologize for that? How was I supposed to know that stripper was an assassin? I tell you what, Terrell said and pointed to his shoulder. You can stop apologizing when my scar heals. The screen flickered, and the broad-shouldered General Adams stood behind a much leaner and older man with graying hair. Sergeants, thank you for the rapid response, the general greeted, and the two younger soldiers stood and saluted him. Please be seated. What can we do for you, General? Frank asked. Gentlemen, let me introduce John Teeter. Adams put a hand on the seated man's shoulder. He's a former analyst for us, and he's been brought back into the fold to help us deal with the current crisis. He's going to be relaying a lot of the information, since it's his plan you're going to be implementing. The older man in front gave a little wave. Sergeants, it's a pleasure to meet you both. Likewise, sir, Terrell replied. So I'll get right into it, John began. A few hours ago, we confirmed that there was a successful bioterrorism attack that took place in Austin, Texas this past Saturday. The virus that was released is airborne and is spreading rapidly throughout the country, infecting anyone with A-type blood. Shortly after exposure, the victim presents with flu-like symptoms and within 72 hours will succumb to it. Frank leaned forward. So we're looking at a mass casualty event? That's an understatement, Sergeant, John replied. Once the victim passes on, they reanimate within a matter of minutes and attack anyone within reach. There was a moment of stunned silence. Sir, Terrell said slowly and seemed to chew over his words before speaking. I don't know if we have a bad connection or not, but I swear you just told us that there is a zombie virus spreading throughout the nation. Teeter nodded. While we don't have an official designation yet, zombie outbreak is an apt description of our current situation. Please tell me they are at least the Romero shamblers, Frank piped up. Adams leaned over to the keyboard. If this viral video is any indication, they are anything but. He hit a few keys and a video feed popped up in the corner of the screen. It showed a cafeteria with a couple dozen students eating lunch, minding their own business. The doors burst open and a couple of zombies rushed inside, tackling screaming students to the ground and tearing at their flesh with their teeth and nails. A security guard opened fire to try to hit some of the attackers, but they wouldn't fall and quickly overwhelmed him. A heavily armed SWAT officer darted into frame and took down a few of the creatures with well-aimed headshots. This was uploaded yesterday to social media, Adams said. It was captured at the University of Texas campus, which is ground zero for the attack. As you can tell, nothing good is going on. These things are fast, vicious, and durable. Those center mass hits from the security guard didn't even slow them down, Frank gaped. Yeah, but rewind real quick. Terrell said, and the general did so. Little more, little more, the bald man instructed. There, that SWAT guy, watch his shots. 
They paid close attention as the zombie's hit in the head didn't get back up. Frank pursed his lips. Looks like headshots are the way to go. Headshots on a sprinting target, Terrell said. Nothing like a challenge, huh? Sir, if you don't mind me asking, the dark-haired sergeant said. How is this not national news yet? We landed just after midnight and there was nothing. In what may be the only break we've gotten today, the video went viral but was misidentified as leaks from a new Hollywood blockbuster, Adams explained. Of course, that story isn't going to last too much longer. Terrell nodded. So how much time we got before this goes national? We are anticipating isolated cases in major cities throughout the night, John piped up. Our assumption is that infected people boarded flights on Saturday, which did a damn good job of spreading it around. Here on the East Coast, most of the flights would have landed later in the evening, which limited their ability to infect many people. Of course, with church and football on Sunday, those numbers grew exponentially. It's 4.30 now, so realistically we have what? Frank asked. Four, maybe five hours before the major cities become a war zone? That's our most optimistic assessment as well, Adams agreed. Although to be perfectly honest, we have no idea what the situation on the ground will be when you land. John swallowed hard. I'm not familiar with what the Charlotte nightlife is like, but all it would take is a single person from that flight to go have a beer downtown to trigger a horde that is now roaming the streets. So you're sending us to Charlotte? Frank raised an eyebrow. Ain't that a bit risky given the population there? You're absolutely correct, Sergeant Kyle, Adams said. But fate kind of forced our hand here. We're game, General, Terrell declared. What's the plan? I'm assuming you boys have been in enough conflicts to know that the success of your mission hinges not only on your ability, but also on the quality of the brainpower behind you, John said. I mean, not just having intelligent people crafting your intel but the people who designed your guns, body armor, and so forth. You get a weak link in that chain, and it's bad news. Frank nodded. Truer words have never been spoken. This is a different type of war that nobody has ever planned for, Teeter continued. Our primary goal over the next 48 hours is to secure the brainpower that will be required to emerge victorious in this conflict, which is why you are headed to Charlotte. The National Engineering Conference is in Charlotte this year, which plays host to some of the brightest minds in a number of engineering disciplines, literally everything from computers to electrical to biomedical. If there's an engineering field, one of the top minds is going to be there. Losing them would be a major setback to our war effort, Adams added. Frank nodded. How many people are we extracting? Not only that, but where exactly are we extracting them to, Terrell cut in. If we're coming up against a full-blown zombie outbreak, do we even have a fortified base strong enough to hold up? Well, gentlemen, hope you like pro football, because their stadium is going to be your new home, John replied, and the sergeant shared a very concerned look. You know this is a video conference, right? I can see your disapproving stares. Sorry, sir. The two soldiers replied in unison. Don't be, Teeter said, waving them off. If I were in your shoes, I would have done the same damn thing. But allow me to alleviate your concerns. See, after 
pretty much every building that had a capacity of more than 12 people, got significant upgrades to their security. The barricades are state-of-the-art and have the same standards as our embassies do. Nothing is getting through them. Plus, there is plenty of open space so that you can set up greenhouses. Greenhouses? Terrell gaped. How long are we going to be there? Gentlemen, I'm sorry, but I don't have an answer for you. John shook his head. Could be three weeks, three months, or even three years. Right now, our only goal is to preserve the manpower and brainpower we're going to need to win this war. And in doing so, we are preparing for the worst-case scenario. Hence, the greenhouses. Adams leaned forward. Sergeant, within the next hour, the order is going to be given for all non-infected troops nationwide to be evacuated. Your base is currently being notified of their new mission orders. Those close to ports are going to be moved out to sea, and those inland are being moved to sparsely populated heartland. This is a painful, albeit necessary, move. If we mobilize our troops now, they will be overwhelmed, and any chance of surviving this goes out the window. Frank took a deep breath. General, you don't need to explain it to us. We understand. While you are securing the high-value targets, John said, a single battalion at Fort Bragg will be procuring the raw materials you will need from the city and airlifting them to the stadium. There will also be a battle company in Charlotte that will be recruiting the necessary civilians to transform your new home into a functioning habitat. Farmers, mechanics, plumbers, etc. Terrell put up a hand. Sir, I have a suggestion, if I may. Please proceed, Sergeant Graham. Adams nodded. Unless I'm mistaken, the bald man continued. New recruits came onto base early Sunday morning. When I came here for basic, I had to go through Charlotte. If that's still the case, then we could be looking at our own major outbreak in the next few hours. Adams motioned, and a soldier popped in from out of frame. He hissed instructions, and the soldier darted off. The general turned back to the screen. Just to be on the safe side, Sergeant, I'm alerting the base commander to lock down the infirmary immediately. I appreciate that, sir, Terrell replied, but that wasn't my intention for bringing it up. With your permission, I'd like for my team to stay behind for a couple of days to help secure materials for the Charlotte Fortress. If all we have is a battalion of 500 men, most of them are going to have to be devoted to fortifying the base because its defenses aren't equipped to handle thousands of potential zombies. Not to mention the influx of locals looking for shelter, Frank added. John covered the mic and turned murmuring and nodding with the general. Finally, they turned back to the screen. We concur with your assessment, Sergeant Graham, Adams agreed. You have 36 hours, then I want you on the way to Charlotte. Coordinate with Lieutenant Colonel Wagner, as he will be running the show on base. Terrell nodded. Understood, sir. Sergeant Kyle, John spoke up. When you and your team arrive at the stadium, I'll arrange for you to be met by the civilian administrator for the facility. His name is Bill Huff. He's an old friend of mine that retired to the area, and he is very good at what he does. While you will be running the show, Bill will be there to keep the day-to-day -day operations running smoothly, keeping tabs on the residents, making sure there's enough food so you all don't starve, so on and so forth. Frank nodded. Understood, sir. Sergeants, Adams said. I had a talk with the master sergeant before you came in and between his endorsement and your exemplary service record, I am giving you a promotion. As of this moment, 
You both have the rank of captain. This should clear a lot of paths for you to do what needs to be done. Both men immediately shot to their feet, saluting. Thank you, sir, they barked in unison. No, gentlemen, Adams replied, jaw tight. Thank you. We have several of these fortresses that are being set up across the country, but they are all in much smaller cities. What I'm asking you and your teams to undertake is on par with a suicide mission, which is why I wanted to give you your mission personally. There's not much else I can do from here, but at least I can give you my respect and gratitude. Terrell nodded. We'll complete our mission, sir. Good luck, gentlemen, Adams said. Go get em, boys, John added. And then the feed ended. The two newly minted captains turned to each other, letting out deep breaths as they stared in disbelief. Figures we'd get a massive promotion at the exact moment money and vacation days stopped being a thing. Terrell broke the silence. Frank shrugged. Yeah, but look at the bright side. At least you get to loot and pillage to your heart's content. Man, I've been accused of stealing from shop owners since I was old enough to walk. The dark-skinned man rolled his eyes. I almost hate the thought of proving those assholes right, even if it is necessary. We can switch jobs if you want, Frank teased. And deprive you of the opportunity to rush headlong into a couple hundred thousand zombies? Terrell scoffed. Shit, man, I couldn't do that to you. Wouldn't feel right. Frank raised his chin. Very noble, Graham, very noble. What can I say? His friend grinned. I'm a giver. All right, let's get to work, the shorter man said. Staging room and ten sound good? He held out his fist. Terrell bumped it with his own. I'll let the boys know. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 2 Boys, we've been to hell and back more times than I can count, Sergeant Long began. Hands clasped behind his back. Two strike teams stood at attention before him, his new captains at ease at his back. For the most part, we've come through the other side intact. That, he swallowed hard and took a deep breath. That just isn't going to be the case this time around. You'll get a full pre-mission briefing, but there was a successful bioterror attack over the weekend. Anybody with A-type blood will be gone within 72 hours, myself included. The rigid stance broke, a round of gasps sounding in the small space. The men glanced at each other, eyes wide and worried. If you're in that group, please step forward, Long instructed. And four of the twelve men did so. I'm sorry, men, but as of this moment, all four of you are officially relieved of duty. Now, Terrell piped up, while you are officially relieved of duty... The reality is we can use your help. Our mission is a daunting one, and the time you have left can still be put to good use. Frank stepped forward. However, we know some of you have family that you may want to attempt to reach. 
Everyone in this room has done more than their fair share, so you've earned the right to make this choice. In unison, Martinez, Cole, and Owens all stepped up to the front of the line. I'm in, sir. Same. Let's get it done. Guys, one of the young soldiers stammered. I'm so sorry, but I have to decline. I have a wife and a three-year-old on base, and I have to get them to safety. I... Sergeant Long put his hand on the young soldier's shoulder. You don't owe us any explanation. It's been an honor serving with you, son. Get your family to Camp Lejeune, Terrell said. They're going to be evacuating the military out to sea, and you might have a chance at getting them on one of the ships. The young soldier nodded. Thank you, sir. He hurried out of the room, one of his teammates clapping him on the back as he went. Well, Graham, Long said, and took a step towards the strike team. Looks like you're a man short. Permission to join? Terrell nodded, eyes shining with emotion. Can't think of a better person to be watching my back. My squad, gear up and be at the chopper in five, Frank barked. Terrell turned to his team. Boys, secure us a couple of Humvees and meet outside in 15. Have to go have a word with the lieutenant colonel before we depart. The Sarge here will brief you in detail on the situation. There was a round of salutes as the two new captains stepped away from the group. So you got a pen and paper for my shopping list, dear? Frank asked. Terrell pointed a finger right at his friend's nose. Just for that, you're getting a Hello Kitty bedroom set. I was always kind of partial to my little pony, but beggars can't be choosers, the shorter man shrugged. His bald friend laughed. I always knew you were a closet brony. Hey, what I do on my downtime is none of your concern, Frank replied, and they shook hands, pulling in for a half hug. You'll be safe out there, man, Terrell murmured. It's gonna be a grade-A shit show in a few hours. I'll see you in 36 hours, Frank said firmly. His friend nodded. Damn straight you will. Can't let you be running your own little kingdom all by your lonesome. They bumped fists one last time and then parted. Frank headed straight for the helipad and hopped inside, his team already strapped in and ready to go. He slipped on his headset and buckled up. We good to go, Captain? The pilot asked, voice loud and clear through the earpiece. Frank nodded and shot him a thumbs up. Affirmative, what's our ETA? Should have you on the ground in an hour 15, sir, the pilot replied. Outstanding, the captain said. I'm going to be briefing my men on the situation. I don't know if you have official clearance to listen in or not, but fuck it. If you're going to be going into this shit with us, you have a right to know. The pilot nodded as he lifted off into the early morning light. Thank you, sir, he said. Hang tight. Chapter Three Terrell walked into a large office full of bustling soldiers. Some were frantically typing on computers, others running around with armloads of books and paperwork. Lieutenant Colonel Wagner stood in the center of all the madness, phone at his ear. Colonel Wagner, Terrell greeted, and the older man held up a finger. That's right, use anything and everything you can find for transport, he said into the receiver. I don't care if you have to go rent fucking U-Hauls, just get it done. He hung up the phone and then turned to the captain. My apologies, what can I do for you? I'm Captain Graham, Terrell said. General Adams instructed me to coordinate with you. Ah, yeah, my Delta Force team, Wagner replied. At least the higher-ups haven't completely abandoned me. 
The bald soldier raised an eyebrow. Sir? Sorry, just venting. The older man waved a hand. They're only leaving me with 500 men to fortify this base, and also get supplies for whatever the fuck they're doing in Charlotte. To complicate things, I also have to help coordinate the evacuation of the base. So I'll be blunt, Captain. Do you know what you're doing? Terrell nodded. I'd like to think I do. Fan-fucking-tastic, Wagner replied. Lynch, he barked. Get over here. Corporal Lynch, a young man who looked about 30 minutes removed from his senior prom, scurried over. Yes, sir. Captain Graham, meet Corporal Lynch, Wagner introduced, wiggling his finger back and forth between them. Corporal, the captain here is going to be lending a hand to your planning. Terrell raised an eyebrow. I am? Hey, you said you know what you're doing, the lieutenant colonel insisted. And yeah, I know, he looks like he'd lose a fist fight with a fucking snowman. But his brain works better than most of the computers in this dump. He just lacks your real-world expertise. The phone trilled and he picked it up. Hold on, he said into the phone, and then turned to Terrell. You need anything, you come find me, he instructed, and then turned his back to take his call. Captain? Lynch piped up. I'm set up in the back room here if you'd like to join me. Terrell shrugged. Lead the way, young man. He followed the kid who couldn't be much more than half his age into a small square room. There was a large table in the center with a map of the base and the city. Lynch motioned his new friend closer. Damn, son, Terrell whistled as he inspected the various pins and drawings all over the maps. You've been busy. If what I'm hearing is accurate, the young corporal replied, there isn't any time to waste. Terrell nodded. Lay it out for me. Over the next three hours, this base is going to be evacuated, leaving us with roughly 500 men to accomplish this task, Lynch said. We have a trio of transport helos, four ground transports, and a half dozen Humvees. On this city map, I've pinned the most likely places we can source vital items. Solar panels, greenhouse building materials, medications, etc., those are in red. The green flags are secondary comfort items, bedrolls, winter clothing, and so forth. Terrell raised an eyebrow. I want to add some charm into the list. Pretty sure that's going to be a popular request. Valid point, consider it done, Lynch agreed, and jotted it down in his notebook. The blue flags are for food and need to be our top priority. We are loading down the first transport with MREs, but it's not a long-term solution, and they're going to need supplements of real food if they are going to remain healthy. The captain nodded. And what about fortifications? That's what I'm having issues with, Lynch admitted. We have manpower, but we don't have the material to make it happen. We're never going to be able to reinforce everything in time, so this is what we need to do, Terrell said. Create an interior perimeter that gives us access to the necessities and the helo landing pad. I like the idea, but how? The young corporal asked. The taller man pointed to the map. There are a couple of car dealerships up the road. Send two companies up to <clears throat> borrow some vehicles. Have two other companies begin planting rebar at an angle to reinforce the cars. That should be a good emergency barricade that allows us to shoot over should the main get breached. Consider it done, sir, Lynch replied with a firm nod. Now, what do you need from me? Send two of the transports out to collect food, and send the other two to the Humvee lot, Terrell instructed. I'm hitting the hardware store. 
They should be open to the contractors now, which gives the potential for resistance. The corporal nodded. I'll have them there by the time you get there. You keep this shit up, corporal, and assuming we survive this, I'm probably going to end up saluting you, Terrell smiled. Lynch nodded solemnly. Here's hoping, sir. Good luck. Chapter Four Captain Kyle, welcome to Charlotte. A short and moderately overweight man with balding white hair greeted. Frank held out his hand to shake. You must be Bill Huff, he said. In the flesh, Bill replied. Let's walk and talk. He led the group away from the chopper and deeper into the stadium, which was a hive of activity. There were soldiers everywhere, scrambling around to prepare for the supplies coming in. So how are we looking, Bill? Frank asked as he surveyed the soldiers building barricades around the outer rim of the stadium. We have three companies with about 350 men, the old man replied. A good number of them are securing the entrances to make them impenetrable, while most of them are scouring the city in search of the rank-and-file civilians to keep this place running. Looking good, Frank said. I'm gonna need a transport vehicle, armored assault Humvee, and a local navigator. Could probably use a few grunts as well. I figured as much, Bill replied. I have them standing by for you. What else do you need? The dark-haired captain cocked his head. Who is the highest-ranking officer here? Other than you, sir, that would be Sergeant Lambert, the old man replied. Frank nodded. Have him meet us at the transports, if you would. Bill pulled a radio from his belt and clicked the button. Sergeant Lambert to the transport garage immediately, he said, and there was a crackling affirmative in response. He's on the way. Something else you should know. While you were in transit, John sent in a secondary VIP target. His name is Dr. Mullins, and he specializes in airborne pathogens. He's currently at one of the hospitals downtown. He'll be our first stop then, Frank said. Bill furrowed his brow. He's a secondary target, Captain. If he's valuable, then we need to get him first, Frank insisted. This virus makes people sick before they turn, which means they're going to be going to the hospital. If we don't get the doc out now, then we aren't going to get him. Plus, we can pick up some medical supplies and nurses while we're there. I'm guessing we don't have an abundance of either of those. That we do not, sir, Bill agreed. The navigator knows where to go. He led the team into a garage area, housing an armored Humvee outfitted with a 50 cal machine gun. A large transport stood behind it, ready and waiting to be filled with supplies. There was a thin, dark-haired man standing next to it, and he straightened upon the group's approach. Captain, this is Jason. He'll be your navigator, Bill said. Frank nodded. You know your way around? Spent the last five years as a taxi driver, taking drunks, businessmen, and drunk businessmen to every place in the city, Jason replied. Good enough for me, the captain agreed. Just keep the small talk to a minimum. The cab driver nodded. Not a problem, sir. A tall and lanky man with sandy hair strode over. Sergeant Lambert reporting. Sergeant, how are we looking on the fortifications? Frank asked. About 85% complete, sir, Lambert replied with a salute. We will be 100% within the hour. Good to hear it, the dark-haired man replied. 
Once it's locked down, nobody gets in or out unless they have a military escort. Is that understood? Yes, sir, Lambert replied. Frank nodded. The party is gonna get started when the sun comes up, so we can expect civilians to get wind of what we're doing here. They are not to be let in under any circumstances. I prefer you use non-lethal force against them, but protecting this facility is the only thing that matters. If your men are fired upon, you have a green light. Sir, you want us to fire on civilians? Lambert gasped. It's not my first choice, Frank admitted. But we have to protect this place at all costs. We're in a fight for our survival, and that sometimes requires us to do unpleasant things. If you don't think you're up to the task, I'll promote someone who is. The sandy-haired sergeant puffed out his chest. I'll get it done, sir. That's what I like to hear, soldier, Frank barked. All right, let's move like we have a purpose. He hopped into the passenger seat of the Humvee, two of his team scrambling into the back. The other four manned the transport as he leaned out the window. Bill, we're gonna grab the dock and then come back here to reload before going after the engineers, he said. When that first transport comes in, I'm going to need you to get a care package set up for us. Ammo, explosives, and anything else you can think of that might help us get out of a sticky situation. It will be ready and waiting, Bill assured him. I'm starting to think John may have undersold you, the captain smirked. The old man gave a jovial salute. Wouldn't be the first time, sir. Good luck. Chapter Five The sky was still dark as Terrell pulled up to a large hardware store. The parking lot had a smattering of pickup trucks strewn about, contractors loading up for their work days. Most of them froze and stared as the few dozen military men in full gear bustled into the store. Terrell approached the service counter. Off to the side was a short, slight woman with long brown hair in the hardware store uniform. She had her hand on a customer's arm as he coughed violently. The customer's companion pointed at the entourage, and the service woman turned, bringing a delicate hand to her mouth. Oh my, she breathed, eyes wide. Can, can I help you? Terrell smiled his most charming smile, glanced at her name tag, and leaned on the counter. Why, yes, you can, Estelle, he said gently. See, my friends and I are in need of some supplies, and we would be eternally grateful if you could point us in the right direction. I think I can do that, she replied, relaxing visibly at his conversational tone. What are you looking for today? Well, for starters, we need some solar panel kits, he said. She nodded. That would be aisle 13, she said, and he waved his hand at a group of men. They took carts and headed off to aisle 13. I also need to build some greenhouses, Terrell continued, pulling the woman's attention back to his chocolate eyes. You have anything to help with that? Garden center is on the other side of the store, she replied. There's potting soil and seeds, too, should you need that. He gave another wave, and the rest of the troops took off. You've been most helpful, Estelle, he said with another award-winning smile. Lovely name, by the way. She blushed. Oh, thank you, I- The customer that had been coughing gave a loud hack, and Estelle turned back to them, brow furrowed. Are you all right, sir? She asked. The non-coughing customer nodded. He'll live. Too much partying this weekend, and his old ass can't keep up. Okay, well, if he needs anything- What in the hell is going on here? 
a booming voice, was followed by a heavyset man with a comb-over, wandering out from the back office. Estelle, why are you ignoring our customers for these military boys? She flushed. It seemed important, sir. We're in no hurry, the non-coughing customer said as his friend doubled over. Terrell straightened. Sir, I'm Captain Graham, and I- I don't give a good goddamn who you are, the heavyset man barked. Why are you in my store? The captain took a deep breath. As I was saying, he continued, we have an emergency situation that requires us to appropriate some goods from your store. Now wait a goddamn minute, the man snapped and narrowed his eyes. Estelle, call the police right now, she blanched. But Mr. Francis- I said, now, you worthless little bitch, her boss snarled. Terrell glared at him. You should really watch your tone. And you, Mr. Francis growled, taking a step towards the captain. Do you really think I'm gonna let some nick? Terrell lashed out, cutting him off with a hand to the bastard's windpipe. Mr. Francis gasped for air, dropping to one knee, and the captain leaned down, lips ghosting his ear. I know you're in a bit of pain right now. His voice was quiet, but the undertones of menace were not lost on the fat hardware store manager. But believe me, I just did you a favor. I've had to deal with racist pricks like you my entire life, and I always bit my tongue. Because I knew if I ever spoke up, or God forbid raised a hand and smacked down one of you doughy assholes, I never would have made it out of my shithole of a hometown. But now, things have changed. In a matter of hours, the world as you know it is going to come crashing down around you, which means I don't have to put up with your racist bullshit anymore. So if I hadn't rudely interrupted your little speech there, and you said what we all know you were about to say, you would no longer be conscious. He stood up. You're welcome. The coughing man fell to the floor, and his friend attempted to catch him, failing miserably. There was a crack as the fallen man's head smacked off of the concrete. Estelle gasped. Oh my God. Terrell walked around the counter to survey the damage. Estelle, babe, I want you to get on the other side of the counter by your boss there, he instructed and drew his sidearm. Sir, you need to back away from your friend right now. Please get help, the downed man's friend begged. I will, but first you need to- The body of the downed customer reanimated and immediately latched up onto his friend's throat. The surprised man jerked backwards, and a massive chunk of his flesh tore free, spraying blood all over the floor. He collapsed backwards, body twitching as he bled out. The zombie customer struggled to get to its feet, but Terrell put a bullet in its head, striding over to make sure it had the intended result. Cap, you okay? Corporal Coleman rushed from behind one of the shelves, rifle drawn. The captain nodded. I'm good. Just had first contact. Christ, it's starting already, Coleman breathed, face pale as he surveyed the scene. Alert the others, Terrell instructed. Our timetable just moved up. The corporal nodded and ran off while his superior leaned over the zombie victim, whose breath slowed to a stop. What are you doing? Estelle asked, voice shaking. What is going on? Estelle, hun. Terrell looked at her, gaze softening. I need you to calm down. I want you to go and get your things, get in your car, and get as far away from the city as you can, okay? She gaped. Yes, I, yes. She ran off as her boss pulled himself up, still wheezing. 
As far as your racist ass goes, I suggest you go home, pack up your cousin wife, and get out of town too, Terrell said, and put his foot against the corpse's chest, leaning his full weight on it. He wasn't sure if it would reanimate just from being bitten, but he didn't want to take any chances. It did, but wasn't able to move underneath the captain's hulking foot. Because if these things don't get you, he said to the gasping Mr. Francis, I will. To accentuate his point, he put a bullet in the newly minted zombie's forehead. Chapter 6 Frank and his team pulled up to the hospital, blue and red lights illuminating the pavement as he stepped out of the Humvee. This can't be good, Corporal Freeman said as he stepped up beside the captain, surveying the police cruisers strewn about. Frank nodded. At least there aren't any gunshots. Yet, Freeman added. All right, Cole, Owens, Gardner, set up a fire line, the captain instructed loudly. Webb, Reyes, you'll be ready to secure whatever we send out the door. Freeman, you're on me. There was a chorus of, yes, sir. Webb, get my driver here a radio so he can be in the loop, Frank continued. If y'all get tied up, I don't want my transport to be late. Webb saluted. Yes, sir. Frank and Freeman entered the hospital lobby, finding it packed. Sick people and their loved ones shoulder to shoulder. Nurses and doctors scrambled everywhere, trying to triage everyone and survey the damage. Two police officers stood at the main nurse's station. Officers, what's going on? Frank asked. One of the officers raised his chin, hand on his gun. Who wants to know? I'm Captain Kyle, and this is Corporal Freeman. He gestured back and forth between them. We're here for Dr. Mullins. Now can you tell me what's going on? Settle down there, soldier boy. The officer put up a hand and rolled his eyes. I'm not gonna tell you a damn thing until I call this in and see if you're legit or not. You do what you gotta do, just don't get in our way, Frank replied. Nurse, what's going on? The officer immediately attempted to step between him and the nurse, but Freeman moved into the way, finger on the trigger of his assault rifle. Wouldn't be a wise move, he warned. You had your chance to help, but you wanted to be a little bitch about it, so go make your call. The officer's partner gently grabbed his shoulder and pulled him back, as Freeman gave them a dismissive wave. He turned around. So where's our boy, he asked. Frank pursed his lips. Top floor, but there's a complication. As I told him, the nurse piped up. About a half an hour ago, the top two floors went into lockdown. We don't know what's going on since nobody will pick up the phone, but whatever is happening, it isn't good. She turned her small monitor towards them. It showed a vast room with overturned desks, blood splattered everywhere and a few dark figures stumbling around in the dim light. We're going up to get the dock, Frank said firmly. How do we gain access? She poked her head out of the station window. Billy, she called, and an old security guard lumbered over. Billy, come here. These boys need your stairwell key. Big gold one right there, he said as he handed over his key ring. Get you in any door you want. Thank you, sir. Freeman said and took the keys. Frank turned back to the nurse. Ma'am, this is what I need you to do, he said. Tell every nurse and doctor you can find to drop whatever they're doing and head out to the transports just up the street. I'm also gonna need you to grab every antibiotic, drug, syringe, or whatever you can carry and take it with you. 
And most importantly, we're gonna need every single blood testing kit you can secure, because we have to be sure to exclude anyone with A-type blood. Um, no, the nurse replied, putting up a hand. Do you not see this waiting room? If you think this is bad, the upper floors have several times this many people, all sick and all in need of our care. I'm not going to abandon them, and the others sure as hell aren't either. Frank leaned over the counter, eyes hard. Stay calm and listen, he hissed. There was a bioterrorism attack, and every sick person here is infected. In a matter of hours, this entire city is gonna look like what you showed me on the monitor there. You need to do as I say, and do it now. Not just for your sake, but for the sake of the country. The nurse took a step back, face pale. She nodded jerkily. Looks like you're the real deal, the officer drawled from behind them. Freeman rolled his eyes. We know. Officers, Frank said, help this nurse with whatever she needs. Hey now, the officer scowled. You may be the real deal, but we don't answer to you. Well, you can either help them, Frank said as he cocked his gun, or help us clear the top floor. The officer froze and turned to the counter. Ma'am, what can we help with? The captain nodded. That's what I thought. Freeman led the way up the stairwell, and the duo reached the door to the top floor. Frank gave a silent countdown, weapon at the ready, as his partner unlocked the door. As soon as he opened it, a zombie turned and screeched at him. In reflex, Frank shot it right in the face, the noise causing three more to immediately rush the door. Contact, 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 the captain screamed, firing shots in rapid succession. Freeman slammed the door, and they put their full weight against it, two remaining zombies wedging themselves in it. Frank struggled to reload his gun while dodging their flailing hands and helping to hold the door. Any time now, Cap, Freeman cried. Frank grunted. Working on it. He finally secured the clip and curled around the door, firing twice to down their opponents. He kicked the corpses out of the way, and Freeman kicked the door shut. The two of them breathed a sigh of relief. Well, Frank huffed, that didn't work. Were you able to see any others? His partner asked. Maybe, I don't know, he replied. I'm sure if there are, we'll be hearing from them soon. As if on cue, there was more banging on the door. Fuck, Freeman said. Frank took a deep breath. Ideas? The corporal looked at the roof access sign pointing to a ladder in the corner. Well, he drawled. You wanna John McLean it? The captain scoffed. No, I yippee-ki-yay motherfucking don't wanna John McLean it. In what universe is that a good idea? I mean, you used to always teach us to think outside the box. Freeman replied with a smirk. Frank sighed. And me dangling off the side of a building by a fire hose would certainly qualify, he admitted. But let's try to keep it in the realm of possibility here. Well, what do you propose? The corporal shrugged. The captain inclined his head. We're gonna open the door again. Speaking of good ideas, Freeman rolled his eyes. Obviously not the full reveal we just did, Frank explained but we'll brace it, open it up just a bit, and pick them off until we can clear the way. The corporal shrugged. Not the worst idea I've heard today. Good to know you pay attention to the things that come out of your mouth, Frank retorted. His partner grinned and then got into position. He braced himself against the door as his superior readied his gun. 
On your mark, the captain prompted. Freeman took a deep breath and unlatched the door. It immediately flew open, slamming into his leg and shoulder, but he stood fast. Frank took careful aim, and with each shot, the pressure against his partner lessened. Finally, the door fell slack, and the corporal raised an eyebrow. Are we good? he asked. Frank stepped forward. Let's find out. He curled his lip under his teeth and let out a deafening whistle that echoed off of the empty hallways. All right, let's move. Just keep your guard up. They moved into the fluorescent lit hallway, slow at first, but speeding up to a trot. The patient rooms on either side of them were locked tight, a nurse's station ahead in ruins. A waiting room with a glass wall and doors lay to the left of it, a mop shoved through the door handle. Fucking hell, man. Freeman startled as the sight of several zombies smacked against the glass. A small crack in the glass spidered out, and he swallowed hard. Fucking hell, man. Frank shook his head. Come on, let's move. He led the way quickly to the end of the hallway, to the lab doors that had the doctor's name on the plaque outside. He banged on it loudly. Dr. Mullins, we came to get you out of here, he yelled. There was a moment of silence, and then the latch clicked. A young blonde woman gently pushed the door open and then brought a tattooed arm up to smack Frank's weapon out of the way. Yeah, watch it with that thing, she snapped. He lowered his arms. Sorry, you never know what's behind the doors up here. We're cool, she assured him. Just get in here. She waved them in and she secured the door. Two shell-shocked looking nurses covered in blood stood on either side of a nervous man with jet black hair in his late fifties. Where's Dr. Mullins, Frank demanded. The man raised his hands. I'm Dr. Mullins, who are you? We're Delta Force, here to extract you and your team to safety, the captain explained. The doctor paled. Delta Force, what the hell is going on? You'll get a full debrief, but we have to move now, Frank insisted. Mullins crossed his arms. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me what this is about. What happened in this room is going to happen all over this country in a matter of hours, Frank snapped, voice rising in volume. My orders are to bring you in because somebody way above my pay grade thinks you're important enough to risk my life for. Now get whatever you need because we have to go now. Hard drives, get the hard drives, Mullins instructed. The tattooed woman motioned to the nurses. Grab that laptop beside you, she demanded, and one of the nervous women picked up the offending computer, hugging it tightly to her body. Webb, we have the package and are on the move, Frank said into the radio attached to his vest. Copy that, Captain. Loading up meds and professionals now, came the crackled reply. We'll be ready for- Machine gun fire blasted through the speaker, and Frank immediately ran over to the window to look down at the street. Webb, report! He screamed as zombies poured out of the hospital and his team fired at them. Y'all may want to hurry up. They getting frisky down here, came the reply. Frank raised a hand. Freeman, let's move. The sound of glass shattering down the hall made the corporal's blood run cold as he opened the lab doors. We've got company. Give me a hand with this, the tattooed woman cried and pushed a large metal gurney through the doorway. Freeman pulled on it and braced his foot against it, hard enough to block the zombies slamming into the other side. He took selective shots, taking strategic ones down to try to block the rest. There's another stairwell this way, 
the tattooed woman said, and pointed out the other end of the hallway to Frank. The corporal tossed her the keys as the captain led the group of panicked medical professionals to the back stairwell. Freeman slowly retreated while keeping an eye on the gurney. He backed up as the group turned a corner and the woman fumbled with the keys. Incoming, he warned as the gurney toppled over, and he fired to try to slow them down. She finally hurled the stairwell door open, screaming, got it. Frank barreled in first to make sure it was clear, and then dove out of the way to give everyone room to get in. Freeman finished his magazine before slipping inside, slamming it shut behind him. The thumps against the door told them he was just in time. All right, everybody, stay behind me and close, Frank instructed. There was a screech from below that echoed up to them, and he pursed his lips. Okay, maybe stay a few feet back. He led the way down, the screeches growing louder. He turned the corner on a landing to see a lone zombie running up the stairs. Rather than fire, he waited until it was almost at him before lashing up with his foot and booting it directly in the face. The zombie flew back, landing on its head on the stairs, a sharp crack, the telltale sign of a broken neck. He paused to make sure that it was down for good and there were no friends lurking about. Bottom floor, let's go, Frank hissed, and then led the rest of the way down to the first floor. Freeman moved up to the door beside him, and they mirrored what they did at the top, the corporal bracing and the captain ready to shoot. The door cracked open to chaos. Zombies feasted on struggling victims. People screamed and ran around wildly, screeching creatures in hot pursuit, the occasional bullet tearing bodies and drywall. Freeman shut the door and took a deep breath. Webb, do you copy? Frank asked into his radio. Crackle. I'm here, Captain. We're gonna be coming out the front and coming out hot, the captain said. So be ready to move, and for the love of Christ, don't fucking shoot me. The tattooed woman shook her head. We're not making it through that to the front door. I know you're scared, but we'll be fine, Frank replied gently. No, we'll be dead. She glared at him. There's another way. He furrowed his brow. I'm all ears. Crack the door again, she instructed, and they did so. Ten yards up on the right, she whispered to him. You see that hallway? He nodded. Yeah? About 15 yards down it, on the right, there's another short hallway that has an emergency exit, she explained. It's some little park area where we sneak off for a smoke. Frank smiled. All right, smoker's paradise it is, he said, and then grabbed his radio as Freeman shut the door again. Webb, change of plans. You get the team out of here via the transports. There was a click. Copy that. Jason, we are gonna need immediate pickup from the park on the east side of the building, Frank continued. Another click. On the way, Jason declared through the speaker. The two soldiers readied their assault rifles, and Frank handed his sidearm to the tattooed woman. You know how to use one of these? He asked, and she checked the mag, checked the chamber, and cocked it with a wink. All the answer I needed. He nodded to the group. Everybody stay on my six. Freeman will be bringing up the rear. We stay low, we move fast. Nobody fires unless they absolutely have to. Last thing we need is to let those things know we're here. He took a deep breath as everyone nodded, and then he motioned to Freeman. The corporal opened the door, and Frank ran out, rifle at the ready. 
They hugged the wall as they moved quickly down the corridor, eyes everywhere. Freeman brought up the rear, but just as he was about to turn the corner to the middle hallway, a zombie took notice of him and tore their way. He fired, taking its head clean off, and a few zombies stopped their feasting to look in their direction. Freeman dispatched them as the group sprinted to the escape hallway. Frank stopped short, peeking around at the sight of half a dozen zombies feasting on a body, blocking their path. Freeman continued to fire down the first corridor, holding the lobby horde at bay, and Frank pulled a grenade from his belt, snapping out the pin. Fire in the hole, he cried, and threw it into the group of zombies right at the emergency exit door. The explosion rocked the building, sending body parts flying everywhere. A severed leg smacked against the wall, right next to Dr. Mullins, whose eyes nearly bugged clean out of his head. Frank peered around the corner to see that not only all of their enemies were mush, but the door had blown right off of its hinges. We're clear, he called, leading the group out to the park. The Humvee was waiting, and Frank threw open the back door so that the nurses and doctor could hop in. Let's go, Freeman, Frank screamed back through the door, and Freeman sprinted towards him, a horde right on his tail. Go, 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 he cried, and Frank leapt into the vehicle, the tattooed woman holding the back door open. Freeman dove in, and she pulled the door shut just in time, the zombies slamming into the side of the vehicle. I'm in, let's go, Freeman yelled, and Jason floored it. The ride was bumpy, but they made it out to the road safely, speeding off down the road. It was deathly silent for a moment, as everyone tried to process what they had just survived. So, Jason drawled, that was a hell of a thing, wasn't it? Frank huffed as he climbed up into the front seat. Jason, what did I say about small talk? Sorry, the driver replied with a nod. We'll be at the stadium in ten. Chapter Seven Looks like word is getting out that trouble is on the horizon, Sergeant Long said, inclining his head at a few people hastily throwing bags into a hatchback across the street. Terrell sighed. I feel kind of bad for them because there's not really a place they can go that would be safe. Well, if you think about it, you could say the same thing about us. Long took a deep breath. Well, you at any rate. Not really going to be my problem soon. Keep your head up, Sarge, Terrell replied and clapped his companion on the back. Those science geeks have been known to be wrong before. Gunfire spattered in the distance. Terrell's radio crackled. Captain, was that you? Coleman asked through the radio from inside the grocery store. The captain lifted the mouthpiece. Negative, Coleman. Civilians down the street. They walked to the edge of the grocery store parking lot as more shots rang out. Y'all may want to wrap this load up, because we might have incoming. We'll be ready to move in five, Cap, Coleman replied, and there was a click. Long raised an eyebrow. Five minutes is a long time, Graham. Be ready to move. Terrell replied in agreement. We may have to cause a diversion to buy time. A young couple tore around a corner a few blocks down, followed by a man with an AK-47 shooting wildly behind them. He emptied the clip and then swung at a pursuing zombie, but the horde that appeared around the corner overwhelmed him, swallowing up his screaming form. The two soldiers stood next to each other, popping off assault rifle shots to attempt to take down the zombies chasing the still-running couple. We can't take them all out, Long cried. 
Terrell grabbed his radio. Coleman, keep the men hidden. We're gonna divert them away from you. There was a crackly affirmative, just as a second zombie horde burst out of a side alleyway and leapt onto the escaping couple. Light them up, Terrell cried as the screaming people fell to the pavement, and the soldiers switched to full automatic, unloading full clips into the horde. It didn't drop all of the zombies, but enough to slow them down as the duo fled. They rushed down a side street, stopping every so often to fire another full mag into their pursuers. Once a few blocks from the grocery store, Terrell lowered his shoulder to break through the front doors of a sporting goods store, smashing the lock in the process. Long quickly secured the door with a set of zip ties from his pocket, and then moved through the store to find something sturdier. Terrell swept the dark store, handgun drawn. As he rounded the second aisle, there was a shuffling in the dark and a screech. He opened fire, having to shoot a few extra times due to lack of light. He managed to shoot his attacker in the throat, but it wasn't enough, and the zombie barreled into him, sending them both to the floor. He managed to grab the zombie around the neck and force it up, giving himself some wiggle room. He rolled, throwing his opponent to the side, and scrambled up, kicking the zombie as hard as he could in the face. At the telltale crack of its neck, it collapsed, and he stomped hard on the back of its head just to be sure. You all right, Graham? Long called. Terrell nodded. Yeah, I'm good. Bruised my pride more than anything, he replied as he finished his sweep. If my trainer saw me get taken down like that, he would have given me a pie may level beating. I won't tell if you won't came the reply as the sergeant finished securing the handles with a bike chain. Terrell laughed. How's the door? I didn't break it too bad, did I? He approached his partner. I'm pretty sure those chains will hold for a while, Long said. Gonna be noisy as hell, though. Hopefully if we stay out of sight, they'll eventually move on, Terrell replied. His radio clicked. Captain, Sarge? Coleman asked through the speaker. You boys all right? Yeah, Coleman, we're good, the captain said. Down a few blocks at the sporting goods store. Will you give us a minute? We'll be down there to get you out, the corporal instructed. Negative, Coleman. You get those supplies back to base, Terrell replied firmly. Captain? That's an order, Coleman, the captain cut in. Those supplies are the priority. We're locked up tight here, so we're safe for a while. We've pretty much depleted our ammo, so we aren't in much of a condition to fight anyway. Hit me back when you drop them off, and we can arrange a pickup. Because I don't know about Sarge here, but I sure as hell don't want to do a three-mile run through the city. Long barked a laugh. With this humidity? Hell no. You got it, Captain, Coleman said reluctantly. Y'all be safe. Y'all too, Coleman, Terrell said. Graham out. I think there's some lawn chairs in aisle six if you'd care to join me for some lounging. Long motioned over his shoulder. I think we've earned it. Terrell nodded and clapped him on the back. I concur, sir. Lead the way. Chapter 8 Frank leaned forward to survey the hundred or so cars parked at the front entrance to the stadium. There were people crowding around everywhere, pleading to be let inside. Mother of God, Freeman breathed. Didn't take long for us to get found out. The tattooed woman, whose name had turned out to be Marie, peeked around the back of Frank's seat. Why aren't they letting them in? Because we don't have the resources to keep them alive, the captain replied. We let them in and we all starve. 
I wish we could save everyone, but we can't. She flopped back in her seat, letting the cold reality sink in. I'll take the long way around to the back loading dock, Jason said. Frank nodded. Good call. Freeman, radio in to Bill and let him know where we'll be. On it, the corporal replied, and did so as Jason drove the Humvee around the block. There were no civilians around the loading dock, and they managed to enter the gate unnoticed, soldiers quickly shutting it behind them. Captain Kyle, Bill greeted as they exited the vehicle. The rest of your team is on their way with the care packages. Thanks, Frank replied. They have the blood testing kits? The old man nodded. That they do. Good, the captain said. I have a few more nurses here, as well as the good doctor. He stepped aside and motioned to the dark-haired man, pale and nervous-looking in the early morning light. Dr. Mullins, it's a pleasure to meet you, Bill said, extending his hand to shake. If you and your team would like to follow my assistant here, he'll get you set up. The doctor shook his hand, but didn't move. Can you tell me what's going on? As soon as I get these boys back on the road, I'll be in to give you a full lay of the land, Bill promised. Sound good? Sounds good, he agreed. Marie, can you grab the laptops? The tattooed woman nodded, turning to one of the nurses. Can you please follow the doc here? I'm going to be heading back out with these boys. Whoa, wait a second, Frank put his hands up. You're not coming with us. Freeman raised an eyebrow. Yeah, we already have to babysit our driver. We don't need any more dead weight. Dead weight? Marie snarled. Motherfucker, I was a combat medic. Did three tours in Iraq and another in Afghanistan. With the exception of your captain here, I've taken more fire than anybody else in this building. And yes, I'm including your limp dick condescending ass in my assessment there. Freeman blinked at her intense glare and then took a step back, shrugging. Well, she certainly has the balls to run with us, Cap, but it's your call. Marie, I appreciate your service and have no doubt you can handle yourself, Frank began. But my team is solid, and we don't need you out there. You and your men ever use a blood testing kit? She raised her chin. You know how to identify a false reading? What about a failed test? She paused as they glanced at each other, speechless. Look, I don't have all of the information you do, but I'm not a moron. I know what Dr. Mullen's research focuses on, and I know all too well what went down at the hospital. And with your emphasis on the blood testing kits, it sounds like you could use my help, since one fuck-up could seriously ruin your day. Or am I wrong? Frank took a deep breath and then let it out slowly. Bill, get this lady some gear. Yes, sir, the old man replied and headed off. Just so we're clear, the captain said. You follow my orders, just like you're back in the desert, understood? Marie nodded. Understood. Hey, Cap. Corporal Owens entered with Bill, carrying a bunch of gear. Good to see you made it back in one piece. Good to be back, Frank replied. So what did you bring me? Fresh stock of ammo, already mag-loaded, Owens said, rummaging through the pile on the table. Full assortment of grenades, as well as 20 C4 charges and a few hundred blood testing kits we borrowed from the hospital. Well, that should be enough to get us through any door we come up against, Frank said. Bill put his hands on his hips. I thought it might. All right, boys, load it up, the captain instructed. Two Humvees, we're leaving the transports here until we get the engineer secured. The old man raised a hand. Captain, if I may make a suggestion. 
Have at it, Frank said. If that crowd out front is any indication, this place is going to be a madhouse sooner rather than later, Bill began. If we don't move the transports now, we may not be able to get them out of the garage without risking a breach. We can always ladder people in if we get surrounded by those creatures, but it's a moot point if they're stuck in storage. I understand that, but I don't like the idea of them being exposed to city streets, Frank replied. It could take us hours to secure everyone we need to. Bill set a tablet on the table and pulled up a map of the city. He highlighted a building in the downtown core. This is your target, he said, the convention hotel. Seven blocks away right here is the city bus lot. Their service started about two hours ago, so the lot is going to be mostly deserted. I can send a few of the grunts over there with them to park until you need them. It's not totally secured like the stadium, but it should hold for a few hours. Make it happen, Frank agreed and clapped him on the back. I'll radio when we're ready to move. The old man saluted as the captain headed over to the lead vehicle. He hopped into the passenger seat, nodding back at Marie, Freeman, and Owens. All right, Jason, to the hotel, he instructed. The driver grinned. Yes, sir. Tell your boys to keep up, because we're going to be moving. He popped the Humvee into gear as soldiers opened the garage gate and peeled out, the other vehicle close behind. They tore down side streets, encountering no resistance as they squealed tires around the city. There were rogue zombies here or there feasting on a body, but no large groups. Jason slowed down as a massive wreck came into view at an intersection a few lights up. Shit, he muttered hoping we could get closer before having to get on the main drag. Hang tight. He took a sharp left and drove for a few blocks before making a hard right. On the main street, there was complete chaos. People ran around everywhere in the streets, zombies tearing after them. There were several busted cars, smoking and some overturned. Bodies littered the street. Jason slammed on the brakes. What the hell are you doing, man? Freeman cried. We gotta move. The driver froze, unable to even breathe at the carnage before him. Jason, where's the sight? Frank asked gently. His mouth moved up and down like a fish before he could make any noise. Uh, it's Jason, the captain said sharply. He jumped in his seat. Five blocks up, two blocks left. I want you to floor this thing, drive through anything that comes across your path, Frank said firmly. Do it now. Jason took a deep breath and then punched the accelerator, screeching the tires and launching the Humvee up the road. He wove in and out of the wreckage, wincing any time he clipped a body that he hoped was a zombie and not a person. You're doing good, Jason. Just two more blocks, Frank said. They crossed the final intersection just before a car speeding in the other direction, and Marie shrieked as it smashed into the second Humvee. Stop the car, she yelled. Freeman turned around as the opponent car spun around, totaled, the Humvee's front axle completely dislodging. Back it up, back it up, he cried. Jason slammed on the brakes and popped into reverse, the soldiers preparing their assault rifles. He stopped a few feet from the accident, and Frank and Owens hopped out, immediately taking down three zombies that ran towards them from the sound of the crash. Owens surveyed the car the passenger down for the count with a massive bite wound in his neck. Frank ran over and ripped open the driver's side door of the busted Humvee. 
They really need to put airbags in these things, Webb groaned as he rolled out of the vehicle onto the pavement. Frank hooked a hand under the corporal's bicep. Yeah, you're all right. On your feet, soldier, we gotta move. Gardner staggered out of the back seat. Where are we going, Captain? Jason cried out from the driver's seat, and Freeman and Marie swung around to see a zombie horde running up the street towards them. We gotta get off the street now, Freeman yelled, and Frank motioned to a set of double doors. Get into the mall, he screamed, and led the way across to the Overstreet Mall. He burst through the doors, gun at the ready, sweeping the small area as everyone scrambled inside. Gardner and Reyes ran up the set of shut-down escalators to secure a sentry position, just as a zombie latched onto Owen's arm. Freeman dispatched the zombie quickly, brains flying back out onto the street as they pulled the corporal inside and slammed the doors. Son of a motherfucking bitch, Owens moaned, clutching at the chunk taken out of his arm. Just hang tight, soldier. Marie said firmly, as Freeman and Webb secured the doors against the banging horde outside. I'll get you fixed up. Look at the bright side. Freeman squeezed his wounded comrade's shoulder. At least you don't have to worry about getting infected twice. Owens grimaced and shook his head. Man, this just ain't my fucking day. Cole, Webb, move up, Frank instructed, and they barreled up the escalator to help the other two stand guard. Owens, you good to go? He nodded as Marie finished wrapping his arm. Yeah. They helped him stand up and turned to the escalator as shots rang out. Contact, Webb screamed as they pumped lead down range. Frank led his group up quickly, half a dozen zombies running full tilt towards them. Some of them fell, but many of them gained ground. Hit the cafe, Frank instructed, leading the charge with Freeman to the corner of the corridor. They did a quick sweep as Marie grabbed the hook for the rolling gate and jerked on it. Clear, Freeman declared. Frank whipped around to face the oncoming horde. Clear, he agreed, and the soldiers still outside firing backed towards the cafe to safety. Cole and Webb continued their suppressing fire as the others scrambled under the door. Cole shoved his comrade towards the cafe while still providing cover fire, and Webb slid underneath. He turned around just in time to see the zombie horde take Cole down, tearing him to pieces as Marie slammed the gate down and locked it. Cole, Webb screamed and punched the metal in frustration. What the fuck, man? Owens put his good hand on the corporal's shoulder. He did the same thing I would have done, he said gently. We were both handed death sentences this morning, and we both want to go out doing something meaningful. Webb nodded and took a step back from the gate as the zombies smacked into the gate, teeth gnashing and hands clawing. How are we getting out of this one, Cap? Freeman asked as he flopped into a booth. Frank set his rifle on the bar. Not sure, Freeman, he said. Not sure. Chapter 9 Terrell headed out of the back room, shaking his head. Well, we ain't getting out that way he declared as he sat down next to the campfire grill Long had set up. Fire doors locked from the outside. I'll make a note to call code enforcement when we get back to base, the sergeant replied with a grin. Terrell chuckled. You going all Gordon Ramsay on me, Sarge? He asked as his companion poured some noodles into a pot of boiling water. This was a bucket list item of mine, Long admitted. First thing I was gonna do when I retired was take some cooking classes. 
I figured I had earned the right to eat well the rest of my days after spending decades living off of MREs and whatever protein-enriched slop they'd throw together in the mess hall. Looks like I'm gonna just get it in under the wire. The bald man shook his head. Don't give me that, Sarge. Maybe those science guys are wrong. It's all right, Graham, Long cut in. I'm coming to peace with it. Hell, man, in our line of work, it's a miracle I lasted as long as I did. Although it does irk me a bit that after two decades of dodging bullets, blades, and explosions, it's gonna be a fucking cold that brings me down. Don't forget that desert death march, Terrell said with a wry grin. His companion guffawed. Still pissed at Kyle for that one. He shook his head and raised his voice an octave. Oh yeah, there's only two or three insurgents in there, he mocked. Now, now, the bald man wagged his finger. He's a southern boy, so math isn't his strong suit. Yeah, but the boy has at least 11 things on his body he can count, Long shot back. No excuse to be that far off. Terrell laughed. Man, you drove that car like you were evil fucking Knievel. I didn't think an early 80s Mazda could get that high off of the ground. I'm still amazed that some small desert shithole had speed bumps. Long shook his head. You know, I'm pretty sure that's what saved us, his companion said. Those insurgents saw you fly through the air and they were like, nah, fuck that, these boys are crazy. The banging on the door grew louder and they both sobered, turning to look at the half dozen zombies still pounding at the door. What do you think it's going to be like, Graham? Long asked quietly. Terrell pursed his lips. What are you talking about? Being one of those things, his companion elaborated. You think I'll know what I'm doing, if I'll have any control? The bald man took a deep breath. I think you'll be off to a better place. I can't imagine that whatever god is up there would be cruel enough to make people live that nightmare. Long nodded slowly as he stirred his noodles, and they sat in contemplative silence. A soft crack permeated the air, and Long darted to the front door. They're gonna get through, he cried, just as the glass broke and a zombie pushed through, immediately latching onto his leg. Sarge! Terrell screamed and fired wildly towards the door, managing to dispatch the one on his companion, but only landing a few other headshots. Just as his mag emptied, the rest of the door completely shattered, sending half a dozen more zombies staggering in. Long tripped several of them, holding four at bay to give his comrade as much extra time as he could. Terrell ducked back into one of the aisles and grabbed two 10-pound dumbbells off of a nearby shelf he turned and swung at the first approaching zombie, shattering its jaw. As the corpse crumpled to the floor, a second zombie came at him, and he slammed a dumbbell down on top of its head, crunching it flat and killing it instantly. Anger flared in him as he stalked to the front of the store, the four remaining zombies feasting on Long's now unmoving body. Come and get it, motherfuckers, Terrell declared, and banged the two dumbbells together. The pack growled and rushed him, and he near blacked out, a series of skull-crushing blows and violent screams echoing in the thick air. He collapsed as the last one fell, hands covered in blood and brain matter, the stench of death ingrained into his skin. He took a series of deep breaths to attempt to calm himself and looked helplessly at his fallen friend. I'm sorry, Sarge, he whispered, crawling over to him. I truly hope you are in a better place. He raised a dumbbell and slammed it down into Long's face, caving in his skull to prevent reanimation. 
He swallowed hard and then reached for his radio. Coleman, what's your status? He asked. We're stuck at base, Cap. The corporal crackled back. Half the fucking town is out front trying to get in. You need me to come get y'all? Nah, it's cool, Terrell replied. You helped them boys get squared away. I could use a little fresh air. He reached down and grabbed Long's spare mag, snapping it into his handgun. With one last salute at his fallen companion, he stepped outside. Chapter 10 The sucking sound of the steam wand overpowered the grunts of the zombies as Jason made lattes for the group of soldiers sitting around the cafe. So if I'm reading this correctly, we can reach the convention hotel via an overstreet walkway here, Frank said, pointing to a section of the mall map on the table in front of them. So all we have to do is fight our way through a couple dozen zombies, then it's a leisurely 50-yard stroll to our target, Freeman said, throwing up his hands. You make it sound so easy, Captain. Don't I, though? Frank asked. Sadly, I'm not sure how we're getting past them. Can't shoot through the gate, and if we open it up, we're gonna get overrun pretty quickly. We could always use the C4 on the gate, Freeman suggested. That should vaporize a good number of those things. The captain pursed his lips. And possibly us in the process, he said, and knocked on the faux wood counter. I'm pretty sure the architect picked these based on their aesthetic rather than its explosive rating. The corporal motioned to the back room as Marie exited from there. What about hiding in the storeroom? One collapsed beam and we're trapped. Frank shook his head. No good. Find any knives we can use to poke at them through the gate? Freeman asked the tattooed nurse. Wasn't looking for that, but I think I found a way out, she said. Freeman and Frank shrugged at each other and nodded, turning back to the coffee bar. Pumpkin spice latte for Freeman, Jason declared as he set a perfectly poured cup on the counter. The corporal grinned at the heart in the foam. Thank you, my good sir. Good to know that deep within a Delta Force badass beats the heart of a suburban housewife, Marie teased. Freeman put up a hand as he swallowed, a foamy mustache left on his face. Mock me all you want, but this is some tasty shit. Just don't spoil days of our lives or he'll gouge your eyes out, Frank said, curling his hand into claws. Rawr. Marie chuckled as she led them into the back room. She pointed up at a large air duct grate. Oh, look, you might get to John McLean it after all, Frank declared. Freeman choked on his beverage a little. Yeah, there's no way I'm climbing through an air duct, he sputtered. Relax, pumpkin spice, Marie retorted. That's not going to be necessary. Take a look. The captain climbed the shelving to peek through the grate. It was only about five feet deep and opened up into the neighboring store. Looks like it's the air intake for the AC, he explained as he climbed back down. It goes right into whatever is next door to us. How does that help us exactly, Freeman asked. One door over isn't going to make a whole lot of a difference. By the time it takes all of us to climb through, those creatures will follow us. Marie shrugged. Then we just send a runner. Freeman pursed his lips, took a deep breath, and then made a fist. Rock, paper, scissors, Cap? He asked. Frank hesitated and then met his companion's gaze. I think I'm gonna pull rank on this one, soldier. The corporal wrinkled his nose. God damn it. He chugged the last of his latte and slammed the mug down as if it had been a beer, licking his lips and rubbing his hands together. He climbed the shelves and pulled the grate down, 
slithering through into the other store. He ducked down behind some shelves with various clothes and crept towards the door. In position, he whispered into his radio. Next door, Frank nodded and lined everyone up in front of the gate, shoulder to shoulder. All right, boys, Freeman's in position. Let's make some noise, he declared, and the group erupted into screams and yells. It was cathartic in a way, hurling obscenities and curses at the monsters that had been tormenting them all night. Freeman peeked out from the clothing store, making sure all of the zombies were hyper-focused on the cafe buffet. On the move, he whispered into his radio and then slipped out the door. He quickly moved across the hallway and drew his handgun, stopping about 20 feet away. His heart pounded in his ears, and he took a firing position. Operation Gump starting in 10, he said into the radio. Be ready to move. Frank grinned. Run, Forrest, run, he replied. Freeman took a pre-sprint stance and then fired at the horde. After three in quick succession, he took off down the long hallway. He glanced once over his shoulder as the entire horde took off after him and hoped to hell that nothing would pop up in front of him. Now, Frank cried after the zombies got about 20 feet away, and Webb threw up the gate, he and Reyes diving out first. They all barreled across the hall to the walkway, jerking the door open with their guns raised. Clear, Webb cried, and everyone flew inside. We're across, hurry up and get here, Freeman, Frank yelled into the radio, holding the door open. He, Gardner, and Owen stood in defensive position inside the door, watching the hallway. Freeman came around the corner, the horde hot on his heels. Slide now, Frank screamed, and the corporal dropped into a textbook baseball slide, as if stealing second base. The three soldiers opened fire, unloading their entire clips into the oncoming wave. It gave Freeman enough of a gap to pop back up and tear through the door, the three soldiers slamming back against it. Gardner started zip-tying the doors. Here's hoping they don't know how to open doors, because those ties aren't gonna do much good, he said. If they get lucky and hit the latch, that should hold them shut, Frank said. When we find something stronger, we'll come back and reinforce. You all right there, Pumpkin Spice? Marie asked, standing over Freeman, who lay on the ground, chest heaving. I realize we just met and all, he huffed, but I hate you. Oh, come on now, you can't rush a decision like that, the tattooed nurse teased. I'm sure once you get to know me, you'll really hate me. She winked and knelt down, smacking him on the chest a few times. Come on, Freeman, Frank said as he strode over. We ain't done yet. He helped his laboring second-in-command get to his feet, and they moved across the walkway in combat formation. Once at the doors to the hotel, Frank turned to him. I want you to stay here with Jason and Marie, he instructed. We need to keep this doorway accessible in case we encounter major resistance. I need a breather anyway, Freeman replied. Don't slack off too much or else Marie will mock you mercilessly, Frank replied, a wicked glint in his eye. Happy to do my part, Captain, the nurse added with a smirk. He saluted her. Reach on my mark, follow my lead, and secure a firing line once we hit a clearing. Be ready to retreat at a moment's notice, he instructed, and the men all made noises in the affirmative. Go. Gardner and Reyes pushed open the door, and Frank rushed in with Webb and Owens right behind him. They moved with haste down the long, darkened hallway, and Frank narrowly ducked as a figure leapt out, swinging a broom handle at him. 
The soldiers raised their guns at a terrified-looking man in a hotel uniform, who dropped the broom immediately and put his hands up. Don't shoot, don't shoot, he cried. We safe up here? Frank asked, lowering his weapon. There were a few other hotel employees behind him, dressed in bellhop and housekeeping uniforms. Kind of? The man replied with a nervous shrug. There were groans in the distance, and Frank led his squad to the edge of the landing at the end of the hall, looking over to the ground floor below. There were dozens of zombies roaming the lobby, body parts strewn everywhere, crimson marring the once pristine hotel. Can they get up here? Frank asked. No, the broom handle wielder replied. We shut down the elevators when things started going crazy. The only other way up here is the escalators, and we have them barricaded. It's not perfect, but it's held up okay so far. The captain surveyed the luggage carts and furniture, jam-packing the escalators. Yeah, that's not gonna hold. Owens, Reyes, go see what you can do about shoring that up, he instructed, and the two soldiers headed over to inspect the pile. What's your name? he asked. Chad, the employee replied. Hi, Chad, Frank said gently. I'm Captain Frank Kyle, U.S. Delta Force. We're here to retrieve some of your guests who are attending the engineering conference. Are they still in their rooms? The ones who made it are here, the scared man replied. We had a lot of cancellations due to illness, but there's a hundred, hundred and fifty people who checked in yesterday. Frank's brow furrowed. A hundred and fifty people in a hotel this size? I was talking to one of the organizers of the conference, and he said the keynote speaker had to pull out at the last minute, Chad explained. When that news spread, the cancellations started pouring in. Shit, the captain huffed. Give me a minute. He lifted his radio. Bill, come in. I'm here, Captain, the old man replied. We're at the objective, but we may have slim pickings, Frank said. The top speaker backed out due to illness, and a lot of others canceled as a result. I don't have names, but you may want to alert the higher-ups. If I get more info, I'll pass it along. Understood, Bill said. You ready for the transports? Frank shook his head. Not yet. We have some complications. Be safe, the old man said. Bill out. We may want to keep it down, Captain, Owen suggested as he and Reyes strode back over. That barricade isn't going to hold more than four or five of those things back. All right, Frank agreed. Reyes, go get Freeman. We're going to have to clear the deck here. He turned back to Chad as the soldier ran off. Tell me about the lobby. There's two sets of doors at the front there that are on a keycard locking system, the employee explained, motioning across the space below. The panel is on the left side there. One swipe followed by the code will lock both sets of doors, as well as the revolving door. And that's about it, really. The captain raised an eyebrow. A hotel this size has to have other entrances. Concentrate, I need you to think. And I need you to stop being condescending, Chad snapped. Yes, there are other entrances, but we were short-staffed this morning, so I didn't bother unlocking the other doors. I wanted to wait for some others to show up, but chaos broke out before that happened. So those doors at the front are the only ones open right now. Frank sighed. My apologies, he said sincerely. Been a hell of a day so far. It's cool, Chad nodded curtly. I'm gonna need the key card and the code, the captain said. The employee took a deep breath. Code is the easy part. It's 674. Card, on the other hand, he said and pointed down to the front desk. Going to require a bit of effort. 
Man, ain't nothing easy today, Frank said with a groan. Okay, where's the card? It's on the left side, Chad began, and then waved his hand. I mean, left as we are looking at it now. Just underneath the desk, there's a card reader. It's going to be stuck in there. We needed it to trigger the elevator lockdown, but I wasn't able to grab it before coming up here. Is removing it gonna end the lockdown? Frank asked. The employee shook his head. No, can't undo it without the code. Thanks, the captain replied and turned to the group. Anybody up for volunteering? One, two, three, not it, Freeman cried as he walked up. Gardner stepped forward. What do you need done, sir? You're gonna be our key man, Frank addressed him. We're gonna start taking them out on the escalator, and when we do, you're gonna jump down, grab the key, and secure the door. Once we start making a racket, they should come flooding in from the street. Gardner nodded. I'll get it done, sir. Hey, Reyes, the captain continued. You ever hear back from sniper school? The corporal shook his head. Missed qualifying on the shooting portion by two points, sir. Well, Gardner, this is your lucky day, Frank declared with a grin. If he hit one more shot, he wouldn't be here to cover your run. You know what they say, Captain, Gardner teased. Beggars can't be choosers. Just be mindful of the glass, Reyes, Frank added seriously. One bad shot and we're fucked. The corporal nodded. Ten four, sir. He headed over to Gardner and gave him a playful punch in the arm. They bumped fists as Frank turned to the group. All right, let's set it up. Chapter 11 Terrell docked into a destroyed storefront a few blocks from the base. He did a quick sweep of the place, ducking around mannequins, modeling various formal wear. There was banging from the back room, and he raised his handgun, taking a few steps towards the back wall. As the banging grew louder, a zombie leapt over the wreckage at the front of the store and attacked one of the mannequins. Terrell leapt forward, wrapping his arms around the creature's torso and flipping it over, slapping it headfirst into the floor. Its neck snapped spectacularly, and the bald soldier whipped around to see if the noise attracted any other monsters from outside. There were several shots in the distance, and his brow furrowed. He raised his radio to his mouth. Coleman, what the fuck is going on? He demanded. The gunfire intensified as a group of civilians suddenly thundered by his hiding spot, closely followed by a large horde of undead. Terrell turned around a back corner as two creatures pounced on a stumbling woman, the rest chasing the live ones. It's a goddamn firefight, Cap, Coleman replied, and Terrell turned the volume way down on his speaker. Zombies showed up. Some fucking private got spooked and fired a shot. Next thing we know, civilians are firing back, and everybody is getting lit up. The captain sighed. So I'm guessing y'all ain't gonna open the front gate for me? He asked. You may have a way in, the corporal replied. Hundred yards west of the main gate, one of the cars we were bringing in got a flat, and we rolled it into the ditch. I'll be there with something to hold down the barbed wire. Terrell stiffened as the two zombies feasting on the fallen woman suddenly straightened up and screeched towards him. I gotta move, headed your way, he yelled into the radio and dropped the three zombies quickly. He leapt out of the storefront into the street. The road towards base was littered with corpses and blood, zombies feasting all over the place and banging on car doors and store windows. A trio of undead turned from a nearby car and noticed him, taking off in his direction. 
Terrell took off towards a side street parallel with the base. Two blocks away from his entry point, he glanced back over his shoulder to see that the trio had become a dozen zombies chasing him. He turned the corner to run back in the direction of the base, and a duo of walking corpses popped into his vision, just too late. He put his head down and crashed through them like a running back, and the stumbling zombies split apart face first into the pavement as he tore away. He hung a right towards the car in the ditch, beside an eight-foot fence topped with an impressive amount of barbed wire. His leg muscles screamed as he tore up the car, just as Coleman threw a giant rug over the barbed wire to give him something to shoot for. He hit the roof of the car and leapt as hard as he could, hitting the rug with his stomach. His momentum wasn't quite enough, and he began to slip back, so he grasped the bare barbed wire with his hand and jerked hard, flinging himself ass over tea kettle. Coleman attempted to soften the fall, but they both hit the dirt fairly hard. The corporal popped back up and jerked the mat from the fence as the zombies hit it, rattling and groaning. Holy shit, Graham, are you okay? Coleman huffed, falling to his knees in front of the incredibly lucky captain. Yeah, I'm good, Terrell replied, his chest heaving as he cradled his hand. The corporal swallowed hard. Where, where's the Sarge? Terrell shook his head, and Coleman lowered his gaze for a moment, taking a deep breath. He winced and then offered the captain his hand to help him up. I need to talk to Colonel Wagner, Terrell said. Let's go. Chapter 12 Reyes rested his rifle on the edge of the railing, surveying the lobby as Gardner ducked down behind him. The others clambered up on top of the escalators, poking up over the hasty barricade. Several zombies noticed the movement and shrieked, tearing up the stairs clumsily. Nobody fire until I do, Frank instructed, and his men held steady as several more zombies joined the climb. They hit the barricade, furniture and luggage shifting and groaning under the weight of the corpses pushing against it. Frank looked over at the front desk, making sure that the lobby was clear, and then raised a hand. Gardner, go, he yelled, and then aimed and hit a zombie in the head. The other three followed suit, carefully popping off rounds to hit enemy after enemy in the face. Gardner leapt over the railing, holding on so that he hung off of the other side like a monkey. He turned sideways and sprung out, kicking off of the railing and grasping a light post, sliding down like a fireman. As soon as his feet hit the floor, he tore towards the desk. A rogue zombie took off in his direction, but Reyes felt it before it got too close. The barricade began to crumble, the zombies pressing under luggage and causing it to buckle under the pressure. The soldiers were having a hard time getting good shots with the angle they were forced to take. Suppressing fire, Frank commanded, and Owens and Webb went full auto, pumping round after round into the horde. While not kill shots, the bullets riddling the zombies' torsos definitely slowed them down, unable to push as hard with their thinner extremities. Frank and Freeman climbed a little higher and continued headshots through the carnage. Gardner made it over the desk and looked for the card slot. A zombie popped up from under it, and he grabbed it by the shirt, throwing it over the desk and into the main lobby for Reyes to deal with. Got the card, he declared into his radio. More zombies from the streets barreled towards him, drawn by the noise from the escalators. We got more incoming, 
Freeman said. Frank jumped down from his perch and scrambled onto the center slide of the escalators. On it, he said, and ran down. He leapt up onto the makeshift barricade and leapt over the zombies' heads, landing into a shoulder roll and popping back up on the other side. As they turned, distracted by him, the three soldiers up top picked them off easily. Gardner reached the keycard slot and slid the card, but before he was able to punch the code, a zombie dove inside and tackled him clean over. He hit the ground hard, pushing up on the corpse's neck. He shot another oncoming one in the face and then put the barrel underneath the chin of the one snapping at his nose, blowing up its head. He blinked away a gooey bouquet of blood and brain matter, rolling over to get back up. Come and get me, boys, Frank bellowed, drawing the attention of the zombies pouring inside so they wouldn't go after Gardner. They rushed him, and he rushed right back, dropping into a slide and slipping right underneath them. Before they could turn around, he popped off three rounds, hitting two in the head and one in the chest. He lowered his shoulder and hit one in the torso, flipping it over his head, and Reyes dispatched it before it managed to right itself. Gardner punched in the code, and the doors locked down, keeping the rest of the street zombies at bay. You okay? Frank immediately asked Gardner, walking over to check him over. Could probably use a shower, Captain. The corporal replied as he wiped another slick glob of goo from his cheek. Feels like I just finished a zombie bukake. Frank barked a laugh. A lot of firsts today, huh? Too many, sir, Gardner replied with an exasperated chuckle. Too fucking many. Holy fuck, Cap, Freeman blurted as he and the others descended the escalators. That was crazy. You boys all right? Gardner nodded. Yeah, we're good. All right, time to secure these packages, Frank said, rolling his hand in a circle. Floor by floor sweep, Marie tests them. If they pass, move them to one of the conference rooms. If they don't, lock them up in their room. Let's move. Chapter 13 Gentlemen, what's the situation? Terrell asked as he led Coleman into Lynch's back room. Good to have you back, Captain. Wagner greeted. We feared the worst. The bald soldier raised his chin. Gonna take more than that to knock me out of action. That's good, because there's a hell of a lot more left to do, the colonel replied. Lynch nodded. The food transport Corporal Coleman came back with was the last bit of supplies we were able to get before the city turned chaotic. The other squad left after us. Did they not make it back? Terrell asked. Lynch shook his head. Last report we got from them, they said they were holed up at one of those big box stores on the other side of town. The store got partially overrun, but they were able to secure the storeroom along with a few civilians. Wagner crossed his arms, addressing Terrell and Coleman. Any chance you can get them out? We can, but not now, the captain replied. The city is going to be a whole lot worse, and I barely made it back as it is. We go out there now, we're either going to get eaten or shot by someone who isn't too happy with the military. Tell your boys to sit tight, and we'll come get them when the sun goes down. Gonna be a whole lot easier for us to get across the city, moving through the shadows. I'll make the call right now, Wagner declared. Lynch, how's the transports to Charlotte looking? Terrell asked. The corporal took a deep breath. Another shipment just took off a few minutes ago. We're getting that stadium supplied, but we still need more even more than they have on that other transport truck. 
This is what I need from you, Terrell instructed. After you do an inventory, give me four or five spots on the map where you think I might be able to find what you're missing. After we rescue the other team, we'll do some scouting and stage the gear we need. Then we'll do one last big sweep at daybreak. Won't that be risky? Lynch bit his lip. I mean, riskier than doing it under the cover of darkness. My boys and I on foot can move well in the darkness and avoid the zombies, the captain explained. Can't really do that with the massive transport trucks. No matter what we do, we're gonna attract attention. Be better to have daylight so we can spot them rushing us. Lynch nodded. Makes sense. I'll have the report ready for you in an hour, sir. Take your time, Corporal. We ain't heading out for several hours, Terrell said. I'm gonna go get some food and maybe catch a Z or two. But could you do me one more favor? The corporal cocked his head. Anything, sir. He smiled tiredly. If my boy Captain Kyle radios in, can you come get me? Chapter 14 Frank surveyed the last group trailing into their makeshift testing room by Freeman and Webb. How are we looking, Marie? Twenty-two more on the top floor, healthy, she replied. Only five tested positive. He added the numbers to his clipboard. All right, that brings us to 140 healthy people, 85 engineers, 35 civilians, and another 20 hotel staff. Why are you separating them like that? Marie asked, brow furrowing. He squared his shoulders. Because the engineers are the mission. Whoa, whoa, she gushed, eyes blazing. You aren't thinking about leaving the civilians behind, are you? You do understand that we have limited supplies, don't you? Frank threw up his hands. We let everyone in, then we all die. Our mission is bigger than a handful of civilians. I'm not an idiot, she snapped. I know we can't let everyone in who shows up on the doorstep of the stadium. Not only do they take up valuable space and resources, but they could easily be infected. These people are different, though. They're actively helping us secure the VIPs, and we know that they aren't sick. She lowered her voice. I haven't seen the manifest of people that you're bringing in, but I'm guessing whoever made it didn't bother to add in low-level support staff. Stadium that size with that many people? I'm sure having a few cleaning ladies couldn't hurt. Frank nodded with a sigh of defeat. Okay, they're in. Thank you, Captain, Marie said. Please, call me Frank, he insisted. She smiled. Okay, Frank. I swear, you sure you weren't in psyops instead of being a medic? He asked, wagging a finger at her. She shrugged playfully. Well, I'm a woman, some things come naturally. She winked and then headed over to the conference room. Freeman, get these people ready to move. Frank called. I'm calling in the transports. You got it, Captain, the corporal replied. Frank lifted his radio. Bill, come in. What's your status, Captain? The old man asked through the speaker. Package is secure. We have 140 civilians ready for transport, he reported. I'm afraid I have some bad news, Captain, Bill said. Frank sighed. Seems to be par for the course today. We lost contact with the transport team an hour ago, the old man said. They were relaying reports about the city deteriorating, and their message was interrupted by screams and gunfire. We don't know if they were taken out by looters or if they were firing on zombies. All we know is we've lost contact with them. Damn it, Frank growled. Okay, Bill, see if you can patch me through to Fort Bragg. Gonna be just a moment, came the reply. Hey, Chad, 
Does this place have a parking deck? Frank asked. The employee nodded as he handed out bottles of water. Yeah, we share one with the mall, but we have direct access to it via an overstreet walkway. Any idea how tall it is? The captain asked. Pretty big, Chad shrugged. Nine, maybe ten stories tall? Webb, go check it out. Make sure we can get across it and it's not overrun, Frank instructed. Captain Kyle, Bill said over the radio. I have Lieutenant Colonel Wagner and Corporal Lynch on the line. Captain, this is Wagner, came the next greeting. What can we do for you? Any chance we can borrow your transport choppers after they drop off the latest batch of supplies? Frank asked. Yes, just not on this trip, Wagner replied. They are scheduled to refuel after this drop, and given that they are only ships, I don't want to overextend them if I can help it. Understood, sir, Frank agreed. What sort of time frame are we looking at? Captain Kyle, this is Corporal Lynch. A new voice came over the speaker. The transport's left here recently, so with the multiple trip flight times and refueling, we're going to be looking to be at your position sometime around dusk. We can handle that, Frank said. We're going to have around 150 people needing transport. We have access to a nine or ten story parking deck, so the top floor will be the extraction point. And we're going to have to have this thing well coordinated because those choppers will attract a ton of attention. We'll make it happen, Captain, Wagner promised. Frank nodded. Thank you, Colonel. Captain Kyle? Lynch cut in. If you bear with me just a moment, please. There was a pause. There we go. Have you on a private line now? Someone wants to say hello. What's up, Kyle? Terrell asked. A massive grin spread on Frank's face. Hey, Graham, you live through the morning. Guess I owe Freeman ten bucks. Man, I ain't gonna let a little thing like the end of the world take me out, the bald captain replied. Frank laughed. You wouldn't be saying that if you went through half the shit I went through today. I had to grenade a hospital. Oh, yeah? I beat half a dozen zombies to death with ten-pound dumbbells. Ten-pounders? You getting weak on me? Frank teased. Stronger than you'll ever be, boy. You know, Graham, if I thought there'd be anybody left to read it, I'd say we need to write our war story memoirs. Terrell laughed. Hell, man, if I could write, I wouldn't have gone into the military. I would have went all Robert Frost and lived a hermit's life in the woods. Yeah, but knowing you, Frank replied, you'd be out there wrestling bears and shit. Better than wrestling stripper assassins. Frank sighed. Once again, man, I'm sorry. Just giving you a hard time, bro, Terrell laughed. I know, man, his friend assured him. Just good to hear you're still going. All right now, you and your boys get some rest, Terrell instructed. When the sun goes down, the real fun is going to begin. No kidding, Frank agreed. Be safe, bro. Webb walked back in. Chad on his heels as the captain ended the call. Path is clear, the corporal said. The walkway is on the seventh floor, so we're only going to have a couple of floors to go up to the roof. Finally, something going our way, Frank said with a grin. Transports are going to be here in a few hours, so I want everyone to get some rest. He took a deep breath. I get the sense it's going to be one hell of a night. End of book one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.